0: Easter morning two years ago, like many of you, I woke up and I had nowhere to go. COVID had started, panic and fear had set in, live services were canceled at most churches. We had recorded the Easter service early so that everybody could watch it. At home with their family, so I I got to watch my kids come down and open their Easter baskets, and I got to watch them hunt Easter eggs in the backyard, something I had never been able to do before because I'm usually long gone before they do that. And then we all went inside and we worshiped as a family watching the service on TV. It was bizarre. It was one of those years that we'll never forget, but we all know that that was only the beginning of a very difficult period of time. COVID was spreading rapidly, people were dying, lockdowns were happening, businesses were closing, and little did we know things would get a lot worse before they got better. I have referred to that year, 2020 and early 2021, as the perfect storm. Coronavirus, lockdowns, layoffs, riots over race, political upheaval, Zoom meetings, homeschooling, incredible levels of stress and uncertainty in all of our lives. I don't know about you, but but I did okay for a while. I got COVID early, June of 20, spent two weeks at home. Our church quickly adapted to the new normal. We became digital. Uh, We offered drive-in services out in the parking lot and online devotionals, but but there was never a clear consensus on what we could or could not do. Anybody in leadership trying to press forward got criticized. You couldn't win, no matter what you did. And I did okay for about a year. But like many of you, the stress and the uncertainty started to take its toll on me. And by the summer of 2021, I was not in a very good place. I was truly sad about what the pandemic had done to all churches, including our own. I was stressed out. I was fearful. The the criticisms got old because everybody was doing the very best that they could. And, and, And we all have our limit in life, right? Well, by that point in time, many of us were struggling mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Churches were struggling. Many of them never recovered, sadly. Patterns of behavior had changed even though a vaccine became available. We quickly learned that that didn't prevent you from getting the virus, and the vaccine itself became a controversy. And like many other leaders, I I was looking for support and encouragement, but all I seemed to hear was criticism and negativity. American politics was polarizing, families were divided, people were unreasonable. Thank God I got a sabbatical last summer in July and August. I was sick and tired of trying to control the uncontrollable. And I know many of you felt the exact same way. I wonder if this is how the disciples felt on Good Friday. Jesus was dead. He'd been executed brutally and publicly. And for what? All he did was teach a revolutionary way of living based on love and forgiveness and compassion and generosity and peace. All he did was talk about the kingdom of God and how different it is from the kingdoms of the world. All he did was heal and teach and counsel those around him who were sick and distressed. But because he was viewed as a threat to the Roman government, he was killed, betrayed, beaten, tortured, and killed. Can you imagine how the disciples must have felt on that Good Friday? Probably similar to the way many of us felt last year. Frustrated, disappointed, afraid, resentful, beat down, discouraged. Not just that, but the disciples now had to fear for their own lives because they had been his followers and many people were now out after them. Matthew tells us that after the Sabbath, early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary, went to the tomb and something amazing happened. There was an earthquake, an angel appeared to them, rolled back the stone, and caused everybody, the women, the guards, to be afraid. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, he is not here, for he has been raised, come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he's going ahead of you to Galilee where you will see him. And the women left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy to tell the disciples. It's interesting that it was the women that went to the tomb. Where were the disciples? Why weren't they there? Easter changes everything. It changes everything for us as Christians. The resurrection is God's eternal yes to the world's temporal no's. The resurrection is the power of God's love to take the absolute worst that people can do and not let it be the final word. Easter is the world's great history lesson of how God's love turns despair into joy and defeat into victory and death into new life. And in a world that has experienced as much pain as ours, we need to hear the great news. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter is the reason that you and I are here this morning. If Jesus had just been killed and that was the end of the story, he would have gone down in history as a great teacher, a brilliant man, an amazing healer, a courageous prophet, a revolutionary rabbi, but certainly not as the son of God. But because he was raised from the dead, our faith has lived on and Christianity has survived 2,000 years. This Easter it occurs to me that all of us have three basic choices when it comes to living our lives starting today. And so i want to lay these out for you this morning. The first choice is the way that I felt in 2021, what I'm gonna call perpetually disappointed. When you choose to live this way, life is always a burden. You are always the victim and nothing ever seems fair. You can point out everything that is wrong, but you don't really offer any solutions. You get frustrated and angry with other people, and you quickly forget that they're doing their very best. You get irritated and short-tempered and upset. You lose your sense of humor. You don't laugh much at all, and you stop doing the things that you really enjoy. When you are perpetually disappointed, life isn't any fun. You lose that sense of adventure and awe You may even feel like God has let you down or abandoned you. You feel isolated and alone. You you quickly develop a self-righteous attitude that says, what did I do to deserve this? I've worked hard. I've been faithful. You feel like that older son in Jesus' famous parable on the prodigal. The problem with perpetual disappointment is it's perpetual. Uh, It's ongoing. And, And the words and criticisms of others seem to dictate the mood that you're going to be in. You feel like you have no control over your own destiny. Living that way is our first option, and we've all done it. It's terrible. It's not very fun. I don't recommend it. I was thinking back to the church I served after seminary in Memphis for a couple years before coming to Nashville and one Easter I was walking in the building and there was a a little three-year-old dressed to the nines in his Easter outfit with the Easter socks up to his knees and the mother was dragging him down the hallway and he was digging in and he said, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And she said, you will come and worship Jesus and you will like it. (laughs) Anybody feel that way this morning? The second way to live is to be simply present. You're here. You're not necessarily down, but nothing really excites you. Somebody once said, there are people in life who who make things happen. There are people who who watch things happen. And there are people who sit around and go, what in the heck just happened? That's this group. They're along for the ride, and they don't seem to show much interest or engagement. These people may not like their job, but they're not going to go find another one. They may not like their friends, or they might think their friends are boring, but they're not going to go meet new ones. They might feel stuck in their marriage, but they're not doing anything to enhance it or or to make it better. The, The present crowd is just here, but there is really no passion, no interest, no motivation. At times, they might complain and be negative like the first group, but at the end of the day, they don't really care all that much. I wouldn't go so far as to call this group boring, but frankly, a lot of times they're boring and we don't need any more boring Christians. Uh, Conversations aren't that interesting or deep. They don't really get excited or energized about anything. Now, I'll take this group over the first group because usually they don't complain and at least they're there, but something is deeply missing, which leads me to the third and best way for us to live our lives this Easter. And I'm gonna call this alive in Christ? Or to say it differently, is Christ alive in you? This should be our goal at Easter. This is the group that understands what the resurrection is all about. This is what the Christian life is all about. Those who are alive in Christ recognize that Christ's resurrection is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. That's true but that Christ must continue to be alive in us today. Those who are alive in Christ acknowledge that life can be difficult, people can be cruel, circumstances can be challenging, but they make a conscious decision to control their own destiny. They don't let the words and actions of other people bring them down. Those who are alive in Christ recognize that every day and everywhere they have a chance to help, to encourage, to serve, and to share love. Listen to this, fifth graders. This is important. When you meet these people, they radiate energy. They listen with empathy. They genuinely care about others. They run from people that are pessimistic and negative and critical all the time. Those who are alive in Christ understand what Paul meant when he said that, that anybody who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. I'm making everything new. People who live this way live the golden rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. They're aware of the deep pain and hurt in the world and they do what they can to help. Those who can live this way seem to naturally draw others to themselves because other people want what they have inside. Those who are alive in Christ choose their friends and their company carefully because they want to be around people who will make them better and have a good influence on them. This group doesn't sit around and talk badly about others or gossip about others because they wouldn't want others doing that about them. They live in the spirit of Easter. It's an Easter mindset grounded in hope, not fear, in faith, not certainty, in forgiveness and not resentment, in peace, not anger, in letting things go and not holding on to the past. This, my friends, is the way that Christ calls us to live It's better than being perpetually disappointed. It's better than just simply being present. But we always get to choose which of these three we want. And frankly, we don't always pick the right one. Or maybe things happen to us in life that get us out of this mindset. Pandemics and stress and loss and grief and anger and despair. But guess what? We get to start again. That's the beauty of Easter. And that's the beauty of Christianity. And those who learn to live this way don't fear death. Because as Paul writes in Romans, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. To be free to live in life, you have to be free to die. And there's nothing that separates us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we can live this way, then we have nothing to fear and we have nothing to regret. So what's it going to be? I know you wanna go to brunch, but what's it going to be? (laughs) The last two years have been really hard, no question, but today on Easter, we can move forward with a brand new beginning, alive in Christ, full of hope, full of joy, full of love. That's what Christ is calling us to do. Join me in prayer. God, give us eyes to see the beauty of the spring and to behold your majesty in every living thing. And may we see in lacy leaves and every budding flower the hand that rules the universe with gentleness and with power. And may this Easter grandeur that spring lavishly imparts awaken faded flowers of faith lying dormant in our hearts and give us ears to hear, dear God, the springtime song of birds with messages more meaningful than our often empty words telling worried human beings who are lost in dark despair be like us and do not worry for you, God, have us in your care. Amen.